right before the, the great persecution of Nero. Um, and it was written to people of faith, people who had faith, but it was also to people who had problems. And so Peter, who may have established, established these churches, we don't know, was writing to them to try and give them hope and encouragement and telling them, you can keep going. You can keep going even in the face of challenge. And so we're going to read um, in First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. And today I'm using the English Standard Version. In your hearts, honor Christ, as Lord, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior, <clears throat> good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Essentially, this is one of the heart themes of the book, where Peter's saying, listen, just live good lives with a clear conscience and, and be ready to share the good news. Now, when you suffer for doing what is right, just keep going. I mean, the expectation is if you, if you do something wrong, the possibility of, of punishment or bad things happening is there, right? We kind of understand that. But for these people who were not doing any of those things, he was giving them encouragement that, yes, it's hard. And you're not doing anything that deserves this kind of persecution. But keep going. And, and Peter was helping them identify with the suffering of Jesus. And today, people who are persecuted, and on November 2nd, we're going to pray for the persecuted church. It's International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, so we're going to participate in that as part of our service that day. But we want to remember them every day. What's interesting, though, is when you talk to people who are persecuted, one of the ways they, they say they have strength is that they connect with the suffering of Jesus. And they count themselves to be honored that they would be worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. It's incredible, but that's exactly what the early church faced. And that's exactly why Peter says, you're suffering for doing something that was not even wrong. And guess what? Jesus did that very same thing. He suffered for us. He took all of our sin, completely innocent. He took all of our sin upon him. And the way the uh, New Living Translation uh, translates that verse, verse 18, is this. It says, Christ never sinned, but he died for sinners. And I love the way it phrases this to bring you safely home to God. And I just like that. It gives a purpose to what Jesus did. He died to bring you safely home to God. And so Peter says, because of all that, here's what you need to do. Would you just honor Jesus as Lord with your life? See, we have a tendency to wander. <laughs> At least I do. Maybe you don't. We have a tendency to stumble. And Jesus carries us. We have a tendency to wander, and Jesus leads us. And it's very clear. Peter says, 
We need Jesus to bring us safely home to God. So, first of all, if you have never said, Jesus, I need you to bring me safely home to God, that's the message for you today. That's the message God wants you to hear, that during this rest of this time, you would focus on that and allow God to speak to you. He's saying, I want to bring you safely home through my son Jesus. For those of us who have already said, yes, Lord, I need you to take me safely home to God, our journey is not complete, and it's certainly not a perfect journey. We all still stumble because it is a journey. It's not an arrival. We haven't gotten there yet, and none of us are perfect. And you know what? That's authentic, and that's okay because there's something very unappealing about someone who says everything is perfect, right, in their own life, like it's all good, because that's not true for any of us. But here's the good news. Wherever you are, Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants to lead you, and he wants to carry you, and the Holy Spirit wants to help you to follow Jesus in his word. And Jesus wants us then to just share that story very simply with gentleness and respect, as Peter says. Just share your story. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind as you share your story. One is don't use your story as a soapbox. There are times when we want to stand for things and speak the truth. But your testimony, your, your part of your story where God is changing you is not really the time to get up on a soapbox and rail about all the evils of society and the world. It's just a time for you to talk about what Jesus has done. It's also a time to be very careful not to speak Christianese. Okay? Now, if you've been in the church for a long time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You speak Christianese. You say things like, um, yeah, I've been born again. And people are like, that's really weird. What does that possibly mean? And if you don't think that's weird, then why, when Jesus said that to Nicodemus, did Nicodemus say, I don't know what you're talking about? And Nicodemus was somebody who had grown up hearing about God. So we've got to be careful with some of our phrases. Even to say, I'm saved, you know, yet people are like, you're saved from what? You know? So you can, you can use these terms, but they're kind of confusing. You have to be careful. What about redeemed? I've been redeemed. You've got to repent. What's repent mean? I've been sanctified. Wow, you've been sanctified. What is that? Is that like an operation or what? What happens when you're sanctified? I mean, is my laundry sanctified? Is it like super clean or what? And this is one that's really, really helpful. Yes, I've been washed in the blood. Really? <laughs> that sounds kind of strange. Now, all of those things are true. But those are Christianese kinds of phrases, don't you think? I mean, you hear those things, and, and again, if you've grown up with them, that's not all that odd. But if you've heard that for the first time, I mean, it's one of the reasons why the early church was thought to be cannibals. Because they ate the body and drank the blood of Jesus. That's kind of weird. Why would anyone do that? So we have to be careful as we share our story. The, the best way to do it is just to share something simple from this journey that you are on. And Doug Pollock, who wrote the book God's Space, he calls this 
preparing a spiritual appetizer. And I like that context. Because if you think of an appetizer, all right, think of an appetizer. Like, literally think of an appetizer right now. All right? Do you have one in your mind, an appetizer that you like? Now, appetizers are great because appetizers are designed to make us want more. They're a recipe that says, that was good. I'll have something else. Now, the problem, we've kind of gotten used to the appetizer being the meal, right? Like, if you go to a restaurant, a lot of times I'll order off the appetizer menu, won't you? Right? Because you get, like, 27 wings as your appetizer. And you're like, well, that's a pretty big appetizer. So an appetizer in, in, inherently is supposed to be something, again, that just gives us a taste of something really good that makes us want something more. So that's the idea here, to create a spiritual appetizer. Let me read from the book Godspace. This is what he says. Gospel snacks are best prepared with others, in a small group or a class, for example. And then he just gives some practical directions. So begin by asking each person in the group to share a specific area of life that has been touched by God in some tangible way. Again, these aren't like huge, big, you know, oh man, I used to do this, I used to kill people, and now I don't. I mean, if that's your story, okay. But most people aren't going to have that kind of a thing. It'd be something like this. Like, uh, my self-image has changed. I see myself differently since I've met Jesus. Or the way I used to handle my money was all about me, and now I'm seeing that it's really about God and about the kingdom and about helping other people, too. My intimacy thing was kind of messed up, and now it's better. Uh, my purpose, my direction in life has changed, you know? Um, I used to really struggle with patience or anger issues. I didn't feel I was significant at all. I had a hard time forgiving. I still do, but I'm a lot better in that area. I had some bad habits that only God could change. Our marriage was really, really not going well, and we decided to, to let God have a hold of that again, and it's gotten better. I was stressed out all the time, but now I have a peace. But whatever the things are, just little nuggets. And he says to continue that process until the well begins to run dry. So just somebody says something. You don't have to like talk about it. Just name a topic and, and put together a list. And you're going to have a list, what he calls God stories. You'll have these God stories there. And then he says, after that large group experience, then encourage each person to find a place to go off on their own and begin preparing his or her spiritual snacks. So the idea is, you would do this in community because the best recipes probably come about from collaboration, right? You know, somebody starts with something, they say, well, what if, what if we try this or what if we try this? So this is a really good exercise to do with your life group, with your family, with your friends, whoever. And again, it's not a big old hairy thing. You just do something simple, a spiritual appetizer. And be genuine, just be honest, and be concise. Again, it's an appetizer. It's not a seven-course meal. Just talk about your hope. That's what Peter says. Be ready to talk about the hope that is in you, something that has changed or something that you have hope that will change or hope for eternity, whatever it happens to be. A simple, tasty snack that increases the spiritual appetite. Great opportunity, great way to start. Now, I know there are a lot of reasons, again, why we don't share. One of them is this. What if? What if I start to tell someone something? And I'm just, all I'm talking about is how, you know, I, I used to have anger issues and now I'm getting better. And they ask me some crazy question about theology and I have no idea what the answer is. What do I do? That's a good question. 
this video gives us an answer. And you may say to me, but Tim, what if I don't know what to say? Then don't say anything. That's why I love the story of the blind man healed by Jesus in John 9. When the religious leaders started asking him a bunch of hard questions, do you know what he said? He said, I don't know. All right, practice with me. Say that. I don't know. That wasn't hard, was it? Here's what he said. He said, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. That's what I got. I don't know anything else. All I know is I, I used to be blind and now I can see. And if that's not enough for you, you figure the rest of it out. Don't let people drag you into arguments that you can't answer. Well, who did Cain marry? Well, what about the Aborigines that never hear about Jesus? Well, when will the Cubs win the World Series? Hey, <laughs> there's only one of those questions that is probably answerable. <laughs> Just say, I don't know. But here's what I do know. My marriage was on the rocks. We found Christ and realized that marriage only works when we are like Jesus and serve each other. Yeah, you know, I don't know how it's going to be when Jesus comes back. I don't know about the thousand-year reign or whether the locusts in the book of Revelation are really helicopters. But what I know is I had an addiction that I couldn't beat until I found my higher power. And my higher power's name is Jesus. You get it? And please, do not argue. No one was ever argued into the kingdom of heaven. But don't be afraid either. When Moses was afraid, didn't know what to say, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now go and I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. New Testament tells us the same thing. Don't be afraid. God promises that his word will never come back void. Something good will always happen. You may not even have faith that this person you're sharing with will ever come around. Listen to this story. All right, well, to hear that story, you need to go to Life Group because the story is on the DVD and we're not going to share it right now. So. But we do want to talk briefly about Paul's story. Now, I really appreciate what he said. You just tell what you know. If you don't have an answer, say, I don't know. Just share what you do know. Paul, in Acts 26, is before a man named Agrippa. And he simply shares his story of how Jesus changed his life. It's in Acts chapter 26. We're not going to read it, but you should do that. It's a, it's a very compelling argument. I mean, this is persuasive. This is Paul, the apostle. He's, he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he tells this incredible story of how Jesus changed him. Again, this is Paul. I mean, it's like Paul will just walk and he would say, the sky is really blue today, and people will go, oh, Jesus is Lord, right? I mean, that's our, our thought. It's Paul. Guess what? After this incredibly moving testimony where a guy who literally persecuted and made sure Christians were being killed changed to being persecuted and eventually would die for Jesus, he tells his story, and you know what the guy there says? You almost convinced me, but you didn't. I think the reason, or a reason that that story is in there is for us to help understand that it is not our responsibility to convert anybody. Our responsibility 
is to share our story of what God has done in our lives. In the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, Paul says this. 3.6, 1 Corinthians. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. See, our responsibility is only to share. We plant or we water, but God's the one who gives the growth. And, and the person has to be receptive, too. God is not forcing anyone to convert himself, but God will provide the increase if the person is interested. He will provide the growth. See, we do have a part in this. Our part is to simply share our story, to, to be a seed planter or a waterer, just to talk about what God has done. And it's good news and it is effective. It works. So keep planting and keep watering with gentleness and respect. A few weeks ago, we watched a video of five people who simply shared their story with each other and how this great chain happened. Let's watch an edited version of this just to remind us of how this can work. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. So just started one person share their faith and they share their faith, just their lives. Now, the end of the video I think is incorrect and I mean in this way. I think that Kim and Nate will meet. They're going to meet at Heaven's Cafe when we're sitting around telling our stories. And they're going to be linked to one another. It's, it's going to be better than six degrees of separation or six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? I mean, we're all going to be connected to Jesus, but we became connected because someone else simply shared their story. So the question is, who's going to be linked to Jesus and linked to other people in heaven because of you? We want to connect with people. We want to serve people. We want to share our story with them. So on November 2nd, we're going to have, at the end of this series, we're going to have a special day uh, where we celebrate our friendships. And we've given it a really creative name. It's called Friend Day. Yeah, that was inspired. Friend Day, and what we want to do, we're going to have intentional ways to simply celebrate and thank your friends. That's what we're going to do that day. So bring a friend or two with you. And the songs and the prayer time and our communion time and our teaching, all of those things are going to be centered on the idea, the theme of friendship and how grateful we are for our friends. 
And it's not going to be hit people over the head with a Bible day, okay? Of course, it never is hit people over the head with Bible day. It's simply sharing our stories. Now I have to go back to the very beginning of the message. Because I know you know this by now, but just in case, I did not see gas for $1.99 this morning. So don't ask me where. But I promise you, if I did see gas for $1.99, and you ask me where, I would tell you where it was. Let me ask a question. Is the good news of Jesus worth more than saving a dollar per gallon on gasoline? And if it is, why aren't we sharing that good news? See, Tim Harlow, who wrote Life on Mission, said this in his book, friends don't keep good news from friends. I think that's true. Would you pray with me? And as we pray, um, just silently, just follow along and, and maybe repeat these words or whatever words God is giving to you right now. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We recognize that you have made him King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, Jesus, we want to honor you as the Lord, as Peter told us we need to do. So it's our desire to set you apart in our hearts God, would you help us to connect with people around us, to serve people around us, to share good news with people around us? Give us opportunities. Give us faith. Give us the words. Father, we trust you. So lead us, and we will follow. Amen. Would you please stand?